Are you wanting to create a highly prosperous photography business doing what you love? Or maybe you have a great business already and want to up your game? Then you're in the right place. Master craftsman photographer Lucy Dumas and her guests are here to support you on your journey. Now here's your hostess and tour guide, Lucy. Trust yourself. Create the kind of self that you will be happy to live with all of your life. Make the most of yourself by fanning the tiny inner sparks of possibility into flames of achievement. And that is a quote from Golda Meir. So thanks for joining me as I have another great conversation about the Profitable Photographer's Journey. Before we get started, I wanted to remind you that one of the fastest ways to be successful on that journey is to not go it alone. And that's where I come in. I would love to support you. And if you want to have a great one-on-one conversation about how I might be able to do that for you, just send me an email to lucy at lucydumas.com. And that's Lucy with an I. I'd love if you put your full contact info and a little about your goals and challenges. And I'll get back to you and we can chat. Also, it means a lot to me if you would subscribe on iTunes to this profitable photographer, give a review and share with your friends because sharing is caring. (laughs) So I can't tell you how much I did the happy dance when I asked Bry Cox if he would be on my show. I was at West Coast School where he teaches along with other great photographers. He teaches for a week. And there was an evening social, and and I tapped him on the shoulder, and he said, sure, I'd love to. I was like, yay. (laughs) So thank you, Brian. Bri, sorry. No, yeah, Bri is short for Brian, so you can call me either way. All right. So Bri is a very popular teacher throughout the U.S. and abroad. He has umpty-dump training videos, plugins, and books for photographers. He is on the Adobe Software Evangelist team. His business is called Celebrity Style Imaging, and he has photographed prominent people such as Leanne Rimes, Olivia Newton-John, Natalie Cole, Kenny Loggins, Linda Ronstadt, on and on and on, and politicians, including the last four Utah governors and Mitt Romney. His work also has been featured in, I would say, countless magazines, covers, articles. So now you know why I was so excited. <laughs> so thank you, Bri, and welcome to The Profitable Photographer. Well, thanks for having me. This is really exciting. I'm, it was fun getting to know you better at West Coast, and I think it'll be a fun conversation to have over the podcast today. Yeah, I do too. So... How did you start in photography? That's a, you know, the question we got to ask everybody. <laughs> Where sure. the did you come from? I mean, I did it in high school. I took every class I could. I read a ton of books on my own. I was always giving myself assignments because I just couldn't learn enough in school. I did it in college. I got jobs working for labs. I worked for other studios. And eventually, uh, about 25 years ago, I started doing it full time. So yeah, it's just been something I've really always done. So you were kind of born to it. it. It was just who you are. Yeah, I've always loved it. 
and I, it's hard to explain all, you know, why I was attracted to it initially. There's so many levels to it or, you know, even why I still like it. I just, something I just love all around. So what was the best or the smartest move you made early on in your business that has set you up to the wonderful, amazing success that you are now enjoying? I think one of the biggest things was trying to focus on quality. I remember having a conversation with my folks where I was trying to, you know, the only really studios I knew were some of the kind of the, the smaller, would you call it like more uh, volume or not even volume, but more just kind of the budget studios. Mm -hmm. And so I was trying to price myself on that range. And I remember my folks saying, you know, it's going to be really hard later if you, if you're trying to focus on quality, like you say, then to be able to come back and try to change your prices, a, you know, a ton you know, just kind of start in that quality vein and just be the quality guy and just get known for that now. And I thought it was, I was really early at the time. I thought, you know, that's, that's smart, you know, cause I'm young, you know, like it doesn't matter if I'm as busy, it's just better to try to build that quality base. And it's really fun. I just had a big city event where they were celebrating a choir teacher that has been teaching for 50 years. And the whole city came, you know, as a surprise and they'd been practicing a song and it was all a surprise for him. He just thought it was going to something else. So I attended that and it was so fun to see people that I hadn't seen for, you know, 30 years and everybody, that was what they all wanted to talk about. It was like, you're still doing photography and I see it online. You've always done a great job and, you know, someday I'm going to get a portrait from you. And I thought that was, that was really neat to, to know that, you know, a lot of people in my community even people who aren't my clients, I'll see that level. They all want, they all get it that I'm the quality photographer. Right. And I bet it's really nice not to sort of have the fear of, of a cringeworthy moment where you see work from the past. If you had started out as what I like to call cheap and cheerful. <laughs> right. <laughs> but you know, every now and then somebody will, you know, maybe they pass away and then they say, you know, that was the last portrait you did of so-and-so and it was 15 years ago and I go, and then we need another copy. So I go back to my archives and I pull it up and I think, wow, I've grown a lot. Like that yeah. was good for the day. And that was, you know, as good as anybody could do back then. But I think, man, I am so much better. Or even if I look back a year or two and I think that was a beautiful portrait I did or a beautiful family, but man, am I good now? Like I'm just, I feel like every year, I get better because I'm always focusing on learning. So I definitely still, even looking back, even just a couple years, I look back and go, yeah, that I'm, I'm better now. I feel like it's a good, it's a good way to be. Always be learning. So there is always a cringeworthy aspect. Yeah. <laughs> to looking well, back. Yeah. But not at least like, like if you're doing high volume where you just really, you know, right. Not, putting any time into it, there may be a few more, but I totally exactly. have done the same thing, Bri, over the course of my career is I'm always chasing the best portrait I can do in the future to amaze myself. You know, I'm happy that my clients like it, but I'm especially happy when I look back, like you said, six months ago, a year ago, five years ago and go, wow, that was good. And I love what I'm doing now even better for sure yeah so totally agree when people are wanting to start out in a shoot and share model thinking well they'll get experience they'll build a reputation and then they want to change gears and actually start selling their photographs i think it's like you're running a race but you're going to run in the wrong direction and then be kind of bothered that you don't know how to you know get back on track 
Yeah, because like they're starting off and they're saying, I don't really value my work. And now suddenly I want you to value my work, you know? Right. Everything's right. free. And then now it's not free. You know, I was like, well, wait, but you were just giving it away. Why didn't you just do that before? It's like, well, because now it's worth something. It's like, what was it? Like, it's truly really hard to try to explain that gap. Right. Well, I'd rather have people give things away for free than charge a hundred or two hundred or three hundred dollars and hand over the piles. Okay, sure. And the work for free for people who really truly value it and could never afford it. Ah, okay. Special needs kids or like I'm in a neighborhood that's not my target market. So I have done work for some of my neighbors for free, trying out new things. I've sometimes given them a deal where they pay me like $200 and they get $5,000 worth of prints because I just want them to, you know, pay something because I know it's not in their budget, but I don't give them the files. I still follow sure. my policy and I know you're, you're the same that you want the quality of everything that comes out of your studio with your name on it to represent the work that you do. Yeah, exactly. It's got my name on it and I just don't want people. I mean, I, I get the same things. I'm sure every photographer gets where people will say, why does it cost so much? I could get it done cheaper at Costco, you know, or whatever. I think, well, so could I, I could go down to Costco and print it, but that's not the point. Right. Like I'm, I'm creating something way more unique and, you know, but I also realize not every single person's my client too. Right. So I'm not, my feelings aren't hurt if, if somebody doesn't hire me. Right. Cause I feel like everyone has a lot of decisions to make for themselves. And all I can do is present why I feel like I'm the best value. Definitely going to be more expensive though. And then they get to decide and it doesn't hurt my feelings if they just go, well, I just want this photographer that's cheaper. And it's like, okay, that's fine. Yeah. But this is how I work. And hopefully in the future, then you get it and you go, yeah, I really want to go work with that guy. Cause it really is different. Mm -hmm. When I'm interviewing a potential client, tell me if you relate to this. I, I'm actually listening to see if they are my potential client, not it, just if I can talk them into hiring me. <laughs> right. Yeah. You have to definitely listen far more. I think that's the big thing. You know, it's one thing like here at conferences, people say, what's the perfect answer when so-and-so says this and when so-and-so says that? And I'm like, well, what's the underlying thing? What, you know, that could, that could mean five. When they say I can't afford it, that could be five things. It could mean. I actually can't afford it. I just don't know why I sh I've never spent, spent this much on photography or it could mean, you know, maybe I can afford it if I just broke the payment up into two or maybe, you know, I don't understand why photography is, you know, so vastly different. You know, it could be all sorts of things and we just don't listen. The biggest thing is we got to get people talking more and us listen more and talk a lot less. Right. My first strategy and when I'm coaching and teaching handling objections, the first strategy is always to ask a question before I respond. Yes. So I know what I'm responding to. With the digital question, when they say, do you sell digital? I'll ask, why do you ask? So if it happens to be commercial, they'll say, you know, I need that for a magazine. I need that for, for yep. my ads. Okay, so that's one conversation. Uh, if it's, I want to save money, then my first answer is, this is in no way the most economical way to work with me if I do sell the digitals they are significantly higher than what you might invest on prints and if they say I want to share it on social media then I my policy is I will post 
what they purchase onto my Facebook and tag them. And so that usually satisfies. Ah, yeah. See, in those three different conversations where if you just jumped into your answer, which is what a lot of people do, they say, well, what's the perfect answer? Someone says, I want digital files. And the answer is X. And they go, so when someone asks, they just jump into the answer. When really it could be, there's kind of a tree of decisions. It kind of, you know, branches out. Right. Just gave three great examples of three completely different conversations. Oh, the fourth one is heirloom. And I love that you said you went into your archives. If someone needs a print from like 15 years ago. Yeah. Tells me you have a garage full of negatives (laughs) and you have hard drives and such, just like me. Oh, yeah, I absolutely do. Yes. Yes. And so my answer with that is I'm a full-time professional and I'm going to be around for a long time and I keep your files safe and sound forever. In fact, I have, I have files from 30, 35, 37 years ago in my garage, not files, but <laughs> negatives. Sometimes, I don't know if you ever do this and this wasn't meant to be a digital conversation, but it, it's always a question. Sometimes I will offer a special purchase price that is available like a year or two years after the session. You know, if it's like a family portrait, if they invest a certain amount. So that way they can feel like they, they can have that forever. I started that when I did weddings and some people want to own the negatives. And I said, if you call me in two years, I will have a price for you and it depends on how much you order now or you know i might if it was a great order i might say call me in three years and for five hundred dollars you know have these saved for you and and i had a few people do that yeah but this is not about me and my business this is about the great and powerful (laughs) bright cox so i want to know why you named your business celebrity styling imaging Yes, celebrity style imaging. It started so when I was young, I was a musician before I was a photographer. So my photographic approach was a in my artistic brain, it was a musical approach. Like I played sax and guitar. And so I actually used to have a program they used to give at like PPA and Texas School and various places. And I called it jazz photography. And it wasn't on shooting jazz musicians, it was on an improv creative approach to photography using like music as an analogy and how to solve problems and be out there and improv right? Mm. and be really creative in a unique spot and kind of make problems into, you know, happy accidents. Mm -hmm. And it was really popular anyway. So is that same approach being a musician, I started getting a lot of bands and bands don't want to be photographed in the classical way that families would, right? So I would go to say some PPA thing or something, or even a local state speaker, and they would talk about how to pose a family correctly. And if I tried that with a band, it just wouldn't work. Because <laughs> the band doesn't want to look like a family portrait group in the park. They got to have, you know, some swagger and, and they have to look cool and it's got to be just different. So it really forced me to just study magazines and study just you know more of a fashion approach and that was the way I'd photograph uh, like girls I was dating but I kind of found a split I'd found that 
because you know everything was film and every shot had to count. If I was photographing a client, they might like my creative stuff they're seeing with bands or with uh, my samples I'd make of maybe a girl I was dating, and they'd kind of want that. But I'd find that I was maybe shooting them more classically. So I had to kind of that was an early kind of mental thing. I had to figure out that left brain, right brain thing, and really figure out what what is my style and how do I just and I realized too that a lot of shooting bands got me shooting uh, the governors and started getting me to shoot, you know, more VIPs and various celebrities. I think like like the, one of the first ones I ever photographed was David Hasselhoff in the late '90s. <laughs> and right, and it's like people were know or kind of knowing me for those things. And I thought, really, when I photograph regular people, which really is the the heart of my business, I'm photographing them the same way I photograph celebrities, which is I got to work fast. I got to be really creative. I got to get them to relax on camera. And in the end, I got to create amazing portraits that have an impact. They're not just pose A, pose B, pose C, light goes here, light goes there, light goes there. It's like, no, I'm completely from scratch creating something, but also really fast. And so that's why I call it celebrity style imaging is because I'm using the same style and the same approach that I use on celebrities on all my regular folks, which really is the heart of my business. So can you share about the power of this brand strategy and how that has supported your business? Good. So part of it too, is I wanted to stand out, right? A lot of, especially when I started, a lot of photographers were very, very more classical in their styling, which in many ways, I mean, I am too. If, you know, if someone's spending, you know, thousands and thousands on a family portrait, you gotta, you know, it is going to be probably a little more on the classical end. But I also want to add a lot of creativity and umph to it still. Maybe I'm going to change it up a little bit with some, some lighting or posing or something. I, I just want to add something to it where there's, there's a feeling of motion, even if it's a family of 30 people, where you have to be a little more stilted in how you pose everybody. Well, you're a guy that has big energy, so I'm sure that yeah. <laughs> makes it really That's, easy. Yeah. So in the end, I really just want a portrait that even if a stranger looks at it, they look at it and they go, oh, I feel like I know who that person is. Like, I want something to come through. And it's hard to try to describe what that feeling is. What is that feeling? It's, you know, I don't know. But I'm, it's on the creative end of things. So that's really, I'm trying to brand it in a sense that this is more on the creative end, but also very technical. I'm not giving up the technical. Right. I'm lighting things amazingly well. I'm posing people really well. I'm getting fantastic expression. But there's also something about it where you just go, man, there's, there's some motion in this image, even though it's a still image. Well, and what I think with the title, it would draw people, even if your work looked like everyone else. I think it's a really nice brand positioning where people think, oh, he's a celebrity photographer, but then they also learn, oh, wait, he photographs me as if I'm a celebrity. So I think exactly. it's, a, it's a beautiful like core concept of your brand because it fits who you are because you didn't just say, huh, I'm going to do this thing. You, you'd unearthed what it is about you that creates an experience. How do we name that experience? And then the celebrity style fits that brand. Does that make sense to you? It does. And even in a photo shoot, I'm always trying to top the last set of images, I'll shoot three or four. Now I'll try to top that and I'll try to top that. I'm changing something. I'm always changing something. I'll change the lighting up. I'll change the background. Maybe we step outside. Maybe we change locations. 
But one of the things I'll sometimes think about, I, maybe it's a, maybe it's an individual and they want something just really unique. And all of a sudden I'll have an, I think, you know, I'm going to light them just completely different. And I'll even tell them, I'll say, you know what, I'm going to do a real high end magazine style lighting on you here. This is something I do for commercial work or if I'm shooting somebody for a magazine spread and let's try that on you. And they'll go, yeah, that sounds fun. Right. Then I start moving the lights around. And so a lot of it's just, you know, me thinking creatively, but then also explaining it and saying, this is something over the top. Like you can't just do this on anybody, but because of your cheekbones, because this is a real high end lighting style. So I'm going to try that with you for a minute. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. And that makes them feel really special. Yeah. And then I'll point it out. When we look at the images, I'll point them out. Say, like, look at, look at this. Look how your eyes pop and your, and your cheekbones just pop in this. And they go, yeah, that's that magazine lighting style. Like, yep, it is. Yes. So what I'm hearing is that you and I, we photograph similarly. I learned that there are people who, who pre-visualize and plan, and then it looks just like that. Uh, did you ever take Wall Portrait Conference with Ken Whitmire? No, but I definitely know him from many years of speaking and seeing him. And I miss him. I'll miss him every single day. So he pre-draws a map when he's doing something that he knows where it's going to go. Well, he doesn't do that anymore. He is in heaven making art <laughs> in all new ways, I'm sure. I could imagine him doing that, yeah. But he, he draws stick figures and lines and and will like have them move the tractor and the hay baler and the because he's he was in Yakima, Washington, which has a lot of farms and open land. And for me, and it sounds like you're similar, I like to get the raw materials together. You know, the clothing, yeah. design, the intention, the location, do the parts, do the things that are the must do and then dig deep and do more and do something else and think about, you know, what, what we can do that we haven't done before. That's what I'm hearing from you. Yeah. I I think of a lot like being on stage and improvising and jamming, right? Like I always like playing jazz or on the guitar. A lot of times it's, uh, you know, rock or folk music where I can just take a solo and jam for a bit. And that's part of the fun is I don't know what I'm going to play. I just know, I'm going to tune everything out and just feel it and just see what it comes out. And that's part of the fun of photography, I think, is the whole creativity. It's just showing up and, you know, I can already solve 20 of the problems in a split second because I've done it for 25 years. So I look around and it's like my brain just solves the problems. But I also think part of the creativity is knocking out some great images right off the bat because there's a battle of the brain inside. There's the left brain, and the right brain. And the left brain's always saying, did you get it? Did you get the shot? Did you get the shot? What if you didn't get it? And it's just nagging you, right? So you got to shut up the naggy side of the brain. And the way you do that is you just start off the shoot by shooting some good, solid, sellable stuff so that no matter what, you know, within 10 minutes, you're, you're done, really. If you want to be done or if it starts raining or if the kids get sick or whatever, and all of a sudden the shoot's over immediately, you've got great stuff. You don't have to worry. And then from there, now I can improvise. Now let's start playing. And let's see if I can top it. Now let's see if I can top that. Now let's top that. And, and let's just see what I can create for the next little while. Taking all the little things that could be problems into consideration. Like, let's, you know, the sun's in the wrong place. Great. Let's make it work. Let's bring in some auxiliary lighting and just really make that sun work. Or let's make this background that you wouldn't think would work. You know, let's, let's make it work. Or the clothing. that It's like, dang it, they brought the wrong clothing. 
let's figure out a way to make it work where you're just like, man, that let's turn that t-shirt inside out. <laughs> yeah. Or maybe if it's an outdoor location, maybe we just move just a little bit. All of a sudden their outfit works with the background or something, something. There's always a solution. And I feel like the improv is what's so fun for me mm-hmm. creatively. I took improv classes, you know, humorous improv. Okay. So I know what you're talking about. So, do you know, Joyce Wilson, uh, I, you know, I might by face uh, off my head. I can't remember. She's, she's been teaching at schools like you have been, it's been a while, but okay. my first West coast school class, which for people that don't know, it's a PPA affiliated school in San Diego now where you get to spend a week with somebody like Bri in a small group. So my first class was Joyce Wilson ah. in Santa Barbara at the time. She's a, it just rocked my world. But one night there was some kind of party because there is fun party time after class. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> and we were doing family portraits at somebody's home and I thought she was done. And I was like, let's go. I want a party. There's, I was single. I was young and the cute boys were at the party and, and my fun photography friends And she just kept photographing and photographing this family in their home in other locations and other, like it went on for hours and I was mad. And you know, that extra hour and a half that I missed that party was more valuable than anything I ever learned. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Because she kept doing what you're talking about. She had it in the can. She knew she had the photographs that she needed to be teaching us. And I think she was maybe going to be doing a sale after, but she kept looking for other angles in the house. Now the sun's going down. Where can we be around the pool? And it taught me to, to keep pushing. Like she started just about when other people were done. And when I go to the beach and photograph, I'm usually there before anyone else. Cause there's lots of, you know, lots of photographers at the beach on a nice day photographing and they all come and they do their families in triangles and then they leave and I'm still working. And so it, you and I, I had no idea, Bri, you and I are so much on the same page. It was so much of our career. So there's a, there's a balance to it too, right? Cause I also don't want to wear kids out and I want the family to leave on a high. Right. So I don't want to push it to the point where everyone's like exhausted and then they leave going, holy cow, I don't want to do that for years. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but at the same time, I also want, if I'm excited and I'm feeling they're excited, I'm going to keep trying something. Just recently, uh, Suzette Allen was doing her bubble trailer tour around the country. Yeah, yeah. And one of her first stops was coming to see me here in Utah. And we went out to Salt Flats and I brought one of my cute girls that I know as a model. And we were out there and... We shot for a little while and while everyone's cleaning up, I thought, I'm just going to keep shooting. The sun was actually gone. Like, and there's no shade out there anyway, but the sun, the sunset was gone. The sun was well below the horizon and I had a few studio lights. So I just kept shooting her just in complete blackness and got some really cool stuff after everybody was cleaned up and packing their vehicles. Cause I just, yeah, I was on an ex- a creative high. I was like, I got another idea. I got another idea. And we would have kept going except for like, all right, it's, you know, it's time to like head into town now. Right. <laughs> Time to get off the software. Yeah. yeah. And I find now with digital photography, I can keep going way longer than I used to. So, yes. Yeah, for sure. Okay. 
I thought we were going to talk all about celebrities today. So I want to jump into my set of questions. Sure. Let's talk about celebrities. So I know that many of my listeners dream of photographing celebrities and would have lots of burning questions for you. So I got a few I'm going to fire off for you. All right. Okay. Is it fun? Is it fun? Yeah. I mean, I'm not, I'm not someone who's super impressed by people's status, I guess. And I think that's probably helpful in getting more celebrities because I'm not like, oh, I loved you in this. You know, I mean, there's probably some people I might be exci- more excited about, I'm sure. But for the most part, I just kind of, they're just people. And there's a certain personality type too in, in a celebrity. And I feel like they're also the most comfortable with people who are kind of like their friends. And you think, well, what are their friends like? Their friends aren't every single day they, you know, get together maybe. They're not like, oh, you're so amazing. They're just their friends. <laughs> And so I think the easiest way to get along with somebody who's famous is just to be chill and be their friend and just have normal conversations, you know, and then occasionally also give them compliments, you know, give them compliments too. Yeah. But it's not like you're, you're not in starstruck mode. Right. And I think that helps quite a bit. So one of my celebrity clients who I was not allowed to use for marketing, the kids were harder to work with because they weren't as excited about a photographer. Oh, cause it had so many photo shoots over the years. Yes. And their dad is the alpha of all alphas, which is why he's at the top of his game. And so I have to work differently with them and be a little, what's the beta? Like I can't be the alpha around him. I still have to do my job. Right. There's a whole psychology on reading people, whether it's celebrities or just clients or anybody, like even doing a headshot of a CEO compared to the headshot of, you know, maybe somebody on the staff. Like there's just a psychology to getting people to relax on camera and in your presence and be able to control crowds and control people. And that all comes into play for sure when you photograph celebrities. Right. So how do you, this is my next question. How do you attract and book celebrities? Well, I've never promoted it. I just get them. Which has been good. I mean, I guess I do promote it in the sense where I'll once I get a photo shoot of somebody, I may post it on my website or something. But it's not something where I seek after them or try to really hunt them down or anything like that. So it's just come from referrals, which is good. Like one time I remember I did, oh, like Steve Forbes when he was running for president. Mm-hmm. And, and I said, well, how did you, when I'm photographing him, I said, so how'd you find me? He's like, oh, I called the Utah governor's office and said, who do I call? And they said, call Brycox. So I was like, well, that's a good referral, right? It's just people referring me. So do you think because you're a musician and you were photographing musicians, I see by your list that, that a lot of your celebrities are musicians. So do you think that by being in that world when you I were think so I think shooting. Yeah. And I think, um, just the, you know, stylistically I was doing something different mm-hmm. and working fast. And I think, you know, in that sense, kind of word would spread like, like for shooting, say, uh, Olivia Newton, John, right. So we need some stuff backstage, but it has to be super fast. And we also need some stuff with her, you know, performing. So we need a few things while she's out on stage. And so that's a certain set of skills to be able to shoot a band and a lot of people can just sit there and shoot a band on a stage. You just shoot and shoot and shoot and shoot and hope something turns out, I suppose. But really there's a timing to it. 
you know, because you can't, you don't really want to be interfering with people on the front row. You don't want to be moving around on the stage. You got to be really subtle and you got to just nail the shot. And there's a timing. You got to kind of feel it. And that, I think being a musician helps with that. Mm-hmm. But then the backstage stuff is completely different, right? Now it's studio lights and you got a background and you got to work fast and you got to shoot fast. And they usually have some kind of a handler that'll pull them away really quickly. So, so maybe I get five minutes and then they're like, okay, you're done. And they just pull them away. Cause they, what they don't want is the photographer making conversation and being like, Hey, let's go get tacos and let's <laughs> hang out and be, and be buddies. And let's, so I can take pictures and post it on my website. You know, they, they yeah. don't want that. They just want to get in and out and get their, you know, cause they just are probably doing that all the time. But like in her case, you know, I just nod to her, say hi, quickly do the shoot direct. And I'm really good at being quick and direct. And they get that I'm, that I'm good with famous people. And then, and I was like, you're done. Even before the handler was done, you know, said anything. <laughs> you're done. And then he was like, all right, let's get you out of here. And she's like, oh, I want to hang out. And so she just sat on the couch and chatted with me while I took all my equipment down and packed it up. And, you know, so sometimes people do just want to kind of hang out and chat, but I also just make sure that, you know, there's no pressure, you know, I'm, I'm cool. I'm cool with who I am and I don't need to hang out with celebrities. And then, then I think I'm still chill. You've got that great smile. So I know, you know, I can see why people would want to yeah. do that. Sometimes I'll share my David Hasselhoff story. <laughs> uh, when I first, sometimes if I feel like they're a little nervous, uh-huh. part, part of getting to know anybody is instead of interviewing them, tell them about you, right? Tell them a little, a little quick story, something you're not going to, you don't want to bore them. You just want to tell them a quick little anecdote that gets them to relax. And then they'll tell you something perhaps. So one thing I'll usually say is if I notice they're maybe just a little nervous with who I am, I'll say, you know, my first famous person I ever photographed, David Hasselhoff, 1990s. And then they kind of peek up, you know, perk up and they'll look at me and I'll be like, yeah, he would tell me when to shoot it. He'd make a really dramatic pose and he'd say, take it. And another pose and go, take it. <laughs> pose three, take it. And then he would move around fix his shoulders, fold his arms, and then squint his eyes, look at me and go, take it. <laughs> right? And it's a funny story and it's quick. Yeah. And then, and then they get, hey, I, one, I'm around famous people a lot. And two, I think when famous people act famous, it's funny. And there, there's, so there's some psychology into that, why I share that story with famous people. Mm-hmm. And then they go, ha ha, that's funny. And then the next thing you know, then they're way more relaxed. And they'll say, oh, I could totally see him doing that or something, you know, and then, and it just makes the whole, con- makes the whole rest of the conversation easy. And I've even for people later and then they, you know, maybe they come into town, we do a photo shoot. And the first thing they do is they get in a pose and go, take it. Right. And they're referring back to the joke. All right. The David Hasselhoff shoot. And I think, see, they even remember that. They remember me. They remember the David Hasselhoff shoot and then pulling my joke out of the bag and reusing it on me. I love it. So how have you used the celebrity photos to promote your day-to-day business? So in my studio here, I've got a lot of big portraits of families. And families are the biggest size, as you see on the walls. But then in a little hallway, as you walk into the studio, are a lot of squares. And they're small. And they're like, I don't know, like 10 by 10 or maybe no, they're probably bigger. They're probably like 12-inch square. And it's just nothing but celebrities. Ah. Yeah. And so as people are coming in the studio, then it's like, oh, you photograph so-and-so and you photograph. And it's just square after square after square, all just in a grid on both sides of the wall of just celebrities. And so then 
then it makes people kind of relax too. Cause they're like, Oh wow. You photograph everybody in the record. Just shoot this. I'm like, that was shot here. Shot right here in my studio. They came out here. I'm like, yep. Where was this shot? That was shot here. You know, just a lot. And that, so it gets like regular people. They're here for a fine portrait. It gets them all excited and it gets something, you know, they, things they can talk about things, to ask questions about, you know, point out to their friends. Like I've seen that as a billboard. That's a billboard. Like, yeah, that's a billboard. So that's a, you know, I put them on my website. It's all a section for family portraits, you know, maybe children, but then I've got a little section called VIPs and I try to, you know, put people up now and then and try to make sure that I've got, you know, famous people up there that are recognizable. So you may have already answered this, but I had the question yeah. about how you treat your clients like celebrities. What I hear is you treat your celebrities like regular people. <laughs> yeah. So flipping that of how do you make your clients feel special and like celebrities? Yeah. And that, that, that's an interesting way of phrasing it. I mean, in the end, I really do treat celebrities, you know, like VIPs because there is a certain sense that, you know, they need to be treated better. But it's also the same thing I do to all my regular clients anyway, is this is a big experience and this is a, a big deal. I think having a, a custom portrait made. And so I want every aspect of the, of their interaction with me to be great. You know, emails, whether it's be text, phone calls beforehand, when they come in, you know, how the place looks, you know, how, how I interact with them, you know, through the photo shoot. And the whole thing is I'm trying to keep, you know, I'm trying to one kind of control their moods and keep everybody on a high and let everybody leave on a high. And so if it's a family shoot, you know, kids are up and down. Sometimes they're laughing one moment and then they just start bawling and then they're laughing again and they bawl. Mm -hmm. Kids, that's just how kids are. Yeah. But I've got to kind of coax out some great expressions and then, and that gets the family excited because they're like, I can't believe it. My kid doesn't smile for anybody and my kid will not stand still. And you got him to just, you know, put this cute little pose on and hold the hand exactly right. And you got this funny little laugh out of him. I'm like, how'd you do it? And it's all in the end. I think it's just really caring and loving people and caring about who every single individual is and wanting to try to capture those little things. And so there's, I think there's some psychology in it and trying to reading crowds and individuals and kids. But then also knowing how to pull out those little, those little nuances of what makes somebody who they are. And then I think all the special treatment too of, you know, in-person sales and, and personal delivery and not trying to ever try to talk people into things. I'm not, you know, my sales approach is to, I want to understand you and let's see if I can solve whatever problem you're trying to solve. And I've got a lot of solutions, but before I start throwing things out, let's, I want to hear what you really care about and who you are. And then that helps me decide what to present. Mm -hmm. So I want to go back to, I think you said something that is so beautiful and so profound. You should put this on a quote somewhere about that really part of what you're doing is that you're really caring about them and loving them. And I relate to that as well. Both my photography clients and my coaching clients is that I'm all in. And that's why when I said earlier that I interview the potential photography client as well. They don't know that I'm trying to decide if I want to care and love them too. <laughs> but, you know, I'm pre-qualifying, but it's really that, that heart that I hear from you that I share, which is that 
this is a, a real relationship, not burger flipping for money, but that, but that that experience, what I hear from you is the experience of the relationship with them. You treasure that, you value that. Yeah, absolutely. And, I, and when I do like a week-long class, like at West Coast School or Texas School, right? Everybody, I give everybody in the class individual challenges. And one thing I've noticed is it's really hard to focus on the person you're photographing if you're thinking of all of the tech, technical stuff, mm -hmm. which is why a lot of people just don't deal with the technical stuff. That's why I say, well, I just don't really want to deal with lighting or posing. I just kind of let it happen and I just shoot more candidly. It's like, yeah, but we can control all of those things. We can only focus on kind of one thing at a time. And so that's why it's so important to build up our skills of lighting and posing and getting expression and composition and all those things so that all of that just happens by habit. It just happens in the back of the head. And now I can just focus completely on the person in front of me and have a conversation with them. And then it's almost like it's not a photo shoot. Like people ask, well, how do I get my kid to look good when, they, when I bring them in? I'm like, just don't practice your smiles with them. Oh. <laughs> don't, don't, you know, don't stress out about it because they're going to feel your stress. Just come and let me worry about it. The hardest thing is if the kid feels like they're in a photo shoot, they're going to give me the fake smile so they can be done and, not, and go run around and play. But if I can just get them to not feel like it's a photo shoot, then they're going to look, they're going to look awesome. And I'm going to get real genuine smiles and kids are transparent, but it's the same techniques with adults. You got to get adults to just relax, let their wall down and get real genuine expressions while at the same time, nailing all the details, the lighting, the posing, the composition. And then that, and then I point those things out in a sales appointment. It's like, look at all these details that all comes together. That's an amazing portrait. And they're like, yeah, it is really, it is. And that makes the sales easier. Yeah, absolutely. What you're talking about, there was a, a special on PBS about the face and it showed it just like, it explained everything to me about, first of all, why I get those real expressions as do you. There are 50 muscles in the face. I don't know if you know this, Bray. Oh, I think I saw the same special. And but go for it, yeah. The two that are involuntary are the, the ones around our eyes and, and from the corner of our eye to the corner of our mouth. We cannot move those, you know, unless you're a trained model and they learn how to do that. They move when you feel something. And the slightest thought moves those muscles and communicates to us as humans what the other person is feeling. And they showed like two faces and one was like the salesman's face where he was smiling, but people did not trust the authenticity. And then someone that was genuinely smiling and they looked almost the same. So our job as portrait photographers, you and I and anyone listening who is photographing people is to evoke emotion. The word smile is an possible word to get you know the that essence yeah if i say everybody smile it's gonna be a terrible smile and i think that's why you are able to create images where people feel like they know the person because you're engaging with them you know you're a fun engaging guy and i'm sure you just put them so at ease and you've got you know just your eyes are expressive and people there's these things called mirror neurons which is a really good word to look up have you heard that term right no so 
mirror neurons are these actual biological things that happen between people. Like if I, if I watch somebody, uh, like if I'm watching America's Funniest Video and they're doing a section where people take falls okay. on their tushy, I get a jerk in, in my lower spine and I feel it. And that's a mirror neuron. So there's actually science behind what you and I do and other of the fabulous portrait photographers around the world is we're using that emotion and the mirror neurons and evoking those muscles. And one other thing I, from another, it was masters, PBS special on masters is the painter David and the sculptor Bernini both said a successful painting or bust of a person, you know, basically a portrait, they look like either they're about to say something or they just did. Okay. So there you go. So it's a, cause a, I mean, a bust is made out of stone, but the whole idea is it has to be in motion somehow. And right. that's what makes it interesting. Right. So they look, they look like, like sometimes I'll ask somebody a question, especially a kid, and then I'll capture them thinking. And it's, it's not about them laughing after that. It's about them like thinking. And then those little muscles around the eyes and the corners move. It's just magic. I just, to me, it sounds like you and I share that fascination with the face and the heart and being able to also be fast on the trigger. So when they reveal themselves, boom, we get it. Yeah. Cause even if you don't understand all the science, if I'm smiling and I, and I give you two smiles and I, and I give you a compliment and I say, you look great today. Or if I have a fake smile, I'll say, you look great today. Right. Everything's the same. The words were the same. I'm smiling in both situations, but something in your brain says, one was sincere and one's insincere. And that's what we're trying to capture is that sincerity of who the person is. One's with the wall up, the one's with the wall down. And part of photographing people is loving them, connecting with them, reading them, figuring out who the, what the personality is like quickly, almost being like a fortune teller. And then being able to pull out the various moods and expressions effortlessly where it just feels like nothing's really happening we're just engaging in a conversation and then it's like almost this person i feel like i know for the rest of my life even though we only spent maybe a half hour together and i create this beautiful portrait and their family's like that's my girl you know that's my son or that's my dad that's you know no one's ever captured my dad like that but that's my dad and that's what i love is being able to create those kind of portraits that people just absolutely love you're preaching to the choir (laughs) (laughs) you know to me that's what is such an endless joy in fine portraiture, which is so different than, let's say, photographs. Yes. It's portraiture. Absolutely. Well, so, Bri, we could keep talking for hours, and I'm hoping you might be. All right, let's do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Are you going to the PPA convention? Yeah, I'll be there for sure. Are you going as well? Absolutely. Absolutely. So we'll get to chat more there. And one of the things that I love about this adventure of of podcasting is that I get to spend part of an hour with someone like you that I've 
said hello to, admired from afar, listened to you speak, and now we get to have a chat and I learn more about your heart and you learn more about mine and now. Yeah, I feel like there's a lot of photographers I know for years, but I only know them in these snippets. Right. right. I know them from events where maybe we're both speaking of the same thing. I know them like in the green rooms or in the, or even just, I know from Facebook and things. Mm -hmm. And so this is, uh, it's always fun to have a, a deeper conversation. Yes. So I'm really grateful that you said yes. Yeah. Yeah. And anytime, if you want to talk about something deeper on, you know, one specific subject, like when, cause when I go to say a week long, I try to give photographers a whole system. Mm -hmm. It's uh, instead of focusing on maybe like one thing, it's like, here's a whole system. Let's improve what you do in the camera. Let's improve your overall digital workflow and let's improve the business side, the psychology of sales and pricing. And so, you know, and I've got full workshops and, 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 and just lots of information on all of those things. And I really want, cause it's, it's hard to so say you uh, improve your lighting, but your pricing's off, you know, or maybe you go home and you improve your pricing, but you know, your overall quality just isn't there. It's like, you have to improve all of it. You have to raise, raise all of these areas in the same time. So we could always do more if you want, you know, we could talk more about certain things anytime. Yeah. So for my listeners, if there's something that we've touched on that you would like to have me chat with Bri in more depth about, just send me an email or post in the Facebook group, which I'd like to invite you all to be in my private group, The Profitable Photographer, and also like The Profitable Photographer page. You know, so you can say, hey, Lucy, ask Bri this, and then we can set up another call. So before we wrap it up, how can we get in touch with you? If someone wants to see more of your work or connect with you one-on-one -on -one or look up some of the goodies that you have for sale, how do they get in touch with you? Yeah, I think the easiest is my training website for photographers. It's brycoxworkshops.com, B-R-Y-C-O-X workshops.com mm -hmm. and uh, you can even join my email list and you get sent out like five free videos and then you also just get all my other videos of just Q&A videos and all sorts of things so that's probably the absolute best I have a store there and there's a member section but really that's a great place to get started okay and I know you have a special offer just for my listeners so what would that be yeah, I made a promo code, 20% off if you use your last name, Dumas, D-U-M-A-S. So anything in the store, if you want uh, some training videos or plugins or any kind of Photoshop, you know, anything, it's all 20% off with that promo code. And if you just click on store, you can see I've got training videos on lighting, you know, sales, all that kind of stuff. And then uh, when you're checking out, just use the promo code Dumas and it'll give you 20% off. Sweet. <laughs> yeah. So before we close, I want to remind people to stay tuned for my wrap up and to remind you to visit lucydumascoaching.com to learn more about my training programs. And again, the private group, The Profitable Photographer. And Bri, thank you so, so much. This has been delightful. I love a good, rich conversation and you did not disappoint. Well, thank you. It was, yeah, it's great having a conversation with you as well. And more to come. It may not be recorded, but Brian and I <laughs> have some more good conversation. So hang out with us at, West, at a PPA Imaging Expo or wherever 
Bri Cox and Lucy Dumas and other people you want to chat with might hang out as well. <laughs> yeah. And if you want to come take a full week, I mean, I do teach at West Coast. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, probably a lot of, you probably have a lot of friends in, in California. So that's a great place. And I also do a full week at Texas school. So West Coast school is in June and Texas is? Uh, last week of April, first week of uh, May. Yeah. Where it gets hot there. Yep. It's a good time. I tell you. <laughs> Thank you, Bright. And thank you. Uh, we will uh, see you and chat with you again soon. All right. Sounds great. Thank you. I'm back <laughs> with a little bit of a wrap up. That was such a rich conversation. And I'm excited to have gotten to know Bry in a better way. And I'm really happy that I could share him with you all. And so a little wrap up when I ask him the question about what he did right at the beginning of his career, once he went pro, and he said he took a stand for quality, that rather than doing cheap and cheerful work, you know, volume work, he decided to do the good stuff from the start. And quality includes being able to light well, print well, get good expression, nice design, have impact, all of the features that go into fine art photography or fine art paintings or any kind of art all come into play. He didn't mention that, but I'm sure he would agree with that. Being an artist rather than a skilled craftsman. And I loved our conversation about celebrities And some of the things I took away from that is what's a little different is that when you photograph celebrities, you need to be prepared to work fast and they really appreciate that. And also not to treat them like celebrities, but treat them like people because they are. I love that he uses stories to put people at ease, especially his celebrities. And he has the one he shares about David Hasselhoff. And so I would recommend, dear listeners, that you think about some good stories. They can be fun or they can be touching or, you know, whatever, but something that just gets people to relax and start that friendship with you. Also, I loved him sharing how the value of working long range with a photographer that can teach you the many different levels of success, that it, that there's not one simple, okay, I need to know how to sell well and how to light and how to do Photoshop or find someone that'll do it for you. Work with photographers, you know, that there's many, many levels to success in this industry. For him, he does week-long classes. And, you know, for me, I do group classes and one-on-one mentoring. And then something that he said, and I'm going to pull out that quote, is it it all comes down with him to caring about and loving the people that he's photographing. And to me, that is everything about being a portrait photographer is loving your subjects. There's not enough love to go around. So when we can give that to our clients, they feel that experience and And as photographers, it's so much more joyful when we're having that deeper kind of connection than even if it's just for the half hour or the hour or the two hours, 
it's a memorable moment in time for both of us, all of us. So I want to encourage you to love your clients more, love the people around you more, and keep listening. Thanks a bunch. Bye for now. You have been listening to The Highly Profitable Photographer with Lucy Dumas. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please rate, subscribe, review, and share. To connect one-on-one and learn more about our coaching programs, just go to lucydumascoaching.com. Until next time, go have fun photographing and selling your work.